quite not ironic, not always as planned, but today is Valentine's Day. And as I'm going to share this morning on Yeshua, I don't think there's a more beautiful or more poignant love story than the love story of God and us. And the fact that God so loved the world that He gave His Son to die for us. And we often look at, at love and a love story as between a man and a woman, but there truly isn't anything greater than the love that Jesus has for us, the love that God has for us. And as we've journeyed through this, this series of Awesome God, today is the last one. It's the sixth one that we're doing. And the, I'm just going to briefly go through what we've looked at to bring you to a culmination of what this morning is about. So the first one we did was Jehovah. Jehovah, my God. Alright, not your God, Moses' God, David's God, my God. And that is how he wants to relate to us, as my God personally. And we looked at the story of Moses and the burning bush, and how he could have walked past, but he turned. And as he turned, God revealed himself to Moses, and he revealed his name, Jehovah, to Moses. The second one where God revealed himself as Jehovah Shalom, God our peace. And there he met with Gideon in the threshing floors, hiding away from the enemy. And he called him and said, come on Gideon, man of valor, even though you're sitting in this hole right now and you're thinking nothing of yourself, I see something more and I will be your God of peace. And I will bring peace. And we had Jehovah our Lord. What a beautiful, beautiful sermon that was. Where we looked at the God who sees. We looked at the story of Hagar in the desert. Where God meets her at her deepest need. At her heart's cry. He says, I see you. I see what you are going through. I see you and I call you. And then Jehovah Jireh, God my provider. The story of Abraham and the altar, where God provided the sacrificial lamb. And as I said in that sermon, we often look at Jehovah Jireh as God provides our financial needs, He's going to meet my needs, He's going to meet my wants and my desires. And God has already fulfilled this promise of Jehovah Jireh, our provider, because He provided Jesus as our salvation as our redemption. And then last week we looked at Jehovah Al Shaddai, God Almighty. And the story where Jacob gets a new name and becomes Israel. God Almighty. And this morning we bring it all together and we look at where God revealed the name Yeshua, Jesus, and what that's going to mean to us. Now I hope that as you have journeyed with us, as we finish this series this morning, that you have been encouraged and that you have been inspired. For me, it was once again looking at a God that is awesome. We use awesome for everything. I, I use the word awesome. Oh, I had an awesome day. Have an awesome birthday. Oh, this is an awesome day. All right. But there's so much more to the word awesome 
when we look at what it means with regards to God. We have a greater understanding, hopefully, of His greatness and His goodness. And it's through understanding His greatness and His goodness that we are led to worship, to greater holiness, and finally to mission. When we begin to look outside of ourselves and what God can do for me, to what can God do through me. Like that song this morning about new wine. Bring, get new wine out of me, Lord. Not just pour into me, but get it out of me so that I can give. If we look at these characters that I've mentioned, Moses, Gideon, Hagar, Abraham, Jacob, and today we're going to look at Mary, not one of these characters were perfect. Most of them, in actual fact, were in distress, were in desperate need of God when they encountered God. And what this morning is going to show us is that God wants that same encounter with each and every one of us. Exactly where we are at today, God wants an encounter with us. In actual fact, we are all disqualified from having an encounter with Almighty God. What qualifies you from being able to meet with God Almighty? What qualifies you to be able to call on the name of Jesus? Absolutely nothing. Except the grace of God and the fact that it's a free gift from Him because He has decided to reveal Himself to us and He has decided that He wants us to be His children. And that is what qualifies us. I see Adriana here this morning, and I'll never forget the story of his father. When his father was lying in his hospital bed the last few days, and Mike had been sharing the gospel with him often. And Mike would ask his dad and say, Adriana, if you today die, what gives you the right to go to heaven? And initially, we would come up with all kinds of answers and he didn't quite know what to say and how to say it. As Mike shared the gospel with him and he got saved, he would say, the name of Jesus. So when God asks me, what gives you the right to be in heaven? All I need to say is Jesus. And Mike used to walk into, before he walked into the room, Adriana would look at him and say, Jesus, Mikey, Jesus. Mike didn't even have to ask him. He was answering me and he knew, without a shadow of a doubt, that he would meet Jesus. Do we know that this morning? Do we know that we can call on the name of Yeshua and know without a shadow of a doubt that we will see Jesus? Read with me this morning as we as we go to the, um, the story in Luke. I just want to give you a, a brief little bit of history, um, that's sort of my, my passion, is, is the history, um, so I throw it in there every time, but I don't know how many of you, when people say to you, name Jesus' 12 disciples, go Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Judas, Andrew, Peter, and then someone comes in, by the way, uh, Luke and Mark were not Jesus' disciples. 
for the first two you thought you so confidently mentioned was wrong. And Luke is one of them. Luke was not a disciple of Jesus, but Luke walked with Paul. So when we look at the book of Luke, we must understand who was he writing this to? Why did Luke give this incredibly detailed account of Jesus' conception? Nothing in the Bible is by accident. Nothing is there randomly. God wants to teach us something in every part of the Bible. Now Luke was ministering mostly to Gentiles. Gentiles who at that time were being persecuted. They had every reason to be fearful. They had every reason to wonder whether following this Jesus was worth it or not. So let's start reading. It's Luke 1 verse 26 to 35. I'm going to read this whole piece. Follow with me. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to the city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying, and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you conceive your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, Yeshua. He will be great, and we call the Son of the Most High. And the Lord will give you give to him the throne of his father, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. Of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. I'm going to take a few moments to not only focus on the name Jesus and Yeshua, but let's look at Mary and her response. Let's remember that in Jewish times, historically, she was possibly between the age of 14 and 16. Okay, now I don't know about you, but at 14, yeah, I was a little stupid. Okay, I think if an angel appeared to me at that stage, I would have run like crazy. Angels are not the little chubby babies with wings that you see painted in the Sistine Chapel or the other Renaissance art. If you read Revelation, I can understand why when Gabriel appeared to Mary, she was afraid. If we look at every time angels appeared to man, they had to first say, do not be afraid. Because there was reason to fear. Okay? And I think sometimes we've gotten to the point where we want this encounter with God. We want an encounter with Jesus. But we want an encounter with our buddy, with our friend, with our equal. And we forget who he is. I tremble at the thought of ever having an encounter with Jesus. I'm petrified of what that would be like. Not because I fear Him, but because I'm so not worthy of it. I'm so sinful. 
I don't want to face the most holy God arrogantly and with pride and think, oh, I'll be cool, my buddy Jesus. I read an account where some years ago, I'm talking about like in the 70s somewhere, a retail store in America thought it would be a great idea to make a doll of Jesus. So there was a baby Jesus in like a manger crib type thing with scriptures all over the crib and they thought, man, this is going to sell like hotcakes. It didn't sell. So the retail owner got quite desperate and he put a sign up outside that said, get Jesus now, 50% discount while you still can. And I thought to myself, isn't that a little bit of how we treat Jesus nowadays? Get Jesus now, 50% discount. Take the grace, the free gift of salvation that is freely available to you, but leave the, the Lordship part to one side. That's the 50% you don't, you don't have to get You get the easy part. The easy part for you that costs me everything. But that's the part we're attracted to. We're attracted to that easy part. The salvation, the free gift, the grace that's available to each of us. But as we go further down and we look at how Mary responded, we'll understand what it truly means. But firstly, like I said, Mary responded in fear. Proverbs says, fear is the beginning of all wisdom. Do we understand that a healthy fear and a reverence for God will bring wisdom? We'll begin to understand Him and more of His Word when we have reverence for Him. A healthy fear. Not a fear where you cower away and you don't want to face it, but a reverence of knowing whose presence you are in. So the angel tells her, do not be afraid. And what he does by telling her about Jacob and telling her about David is he stirs her faith. We must remember the word says that Mary found favor with God, which means Mary had a relationship with God. She knew God. She knew her Bible. She knew what the prophets had said when they said that Jesus would be born of a virgin. And he would come from the line of David. So when the angel started mentioning these things, he was stirring her faith. He was building up her faith to be able to receive the message that God was giving her. And as her faith was built up, Mary asked a question. She said, how can this be? Not a question like that, please. Not like Sarah, when Sarah found out she was going to have a baby at 19, she scoffed and laughed. Mary was just genuinely asking a practical question. I receive what you're saying, Lord, but how? And we can ask God questions. When God comes to us and He calls us and gives us a purpose, we're allowed to ask Him how. And in His grace, God explained it to us. And he told her the Holy Spirit would come upon you and you will conceive. So don't be afraid to ask God the questions, but make sure that you are doing it in a place of faith and reverence. Because it's in that position that Mary felt that she could ask the question. But the most beautiful thing is Mary's response. 
perhaps not in the, the verses I read, but we all know it so well, where she said to him, Here I am, your servant. Be it unto me according to your word. She surrendered her life to God, which for us is a sign of worship, of devotion. And that's what I was talking about with the, with the 50%, the part the salvation we take, that the here I am your servant is often harder to do. Have we given him our whole lives? Mary literally gave her body over to God and said, do what you want to do. And a baby was conceived inside of her, Jesus himself. I can't think of a greater example of giving your all to God than saying, use my body and I will, I will carry your son for my months. Okay, some of you who've had kids, pregnancy was awesome. You loved every minute of it. Some of us, it's not so awesome. It's tough, and it's sore, and it's nauseating. <laughs> if someone had to ask me now, would you carry my baby? I'd say, no, 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 no thanks. I'm not going through that again. Okay, but Mary gave herself completely over to God's will for her life. And what really stood out, again, from this, if you keep reading, the angel tells her that Elizabeth is also pregnant, and she is going to visit Isn't it amazing how in the call that God had for her, in the most difficult thing she had to do, I don't think we can fully understand what it must be like to be pregnant in those days. Firstly, how do you explain that you're a virgin and you're pregnant, okay? I mean, if someone came to me today and said, I'm pregnant, but I haven't actually said with anyone. <laughs> Okay, next story. Let's try this again. Let's explain the biology to you. Um, okay, so she firstly had to deal with that. But secondly, it was incredibly disgraceful. It was such a dishonoring to her family, to everybody, that she was pregnant without being married. But again, wasn't God amazing that the angel appeared to Joseph and reassured him as well? So Joseph, I've got this. I can understand that this is a little tough, but marry her, I've got this. Okay? But God sends Mary to Elizabeth to walk the journey with her. God doesn't call us to be lone rangers. God doesn't call us and give us a purpose and a meaning for our lives so that we can run with our own. He sets us in family. For us at every nation, that means discipleship. That means connect groups. That means who are you walking a journey with? Whatever season you find yourself in in life, who are you walking with that can disciple you? Marty is surrounding herself with mothers. Because mothers can help her. They can give her advice. They can journey with her. And she'll surround herself with young ladies who aren't mothers yet, who can come and help with some practical things, who can babysit sometimes. Okay, and that's practically, but spiritually, 
Who are we surrounding ourselves with? Who are we saying, come and journey with me? God has called me to do something. But man, I need a bit of support in this. This is not an easy journey. This is not an easy journey. Look out for those people that God has destined to walk your journey with you. Look out for disciples. And I know that we've spoken about it before, but if we look at Mary, she was called to a specific place with a specific purpose for a specific people. And that is what we learn from this encounter with Jesus. When we have an encounter with Jesus, He calls us to a place, a purpose, and a people. This can change as seasons change. Okay, 20 years ago, God very specifically called me to England. Very specifically. I, I took my own initiative and started applying for jobs and all the doors just opened so quickly and I, I felt kind of guilty because I was like, oh Lord, I, I haven't really prayed about this but I just want to go to London because my friends are there and everyone says it's really cool. And, and one morning I was just, I actually went and sat on the ground in my bedroom with my Bible and I said, Lord, I need a word for you. I need to know that I'm doing what you want me to do. And randomly a scripture popped into my head and it was Ezekiel. And in Ezekiel, I can't remember the exact verse, but it says, I'm calling you to a people who speak your language, but it's not your own people. And I was like, wow, baby. And off I went, and I knew. And in the difficult days, trust me, not seeing the sun for me was difficult, but the, the adjustment was difficult. God placed people around me, and I walked the journey with me. Six years later, God very specifically called me to another people. And I went off to Dublin for a season. And I knew that that's where God wanted me. And while in Dublin, God once again called and brought us back to South Africa for a very specific people. And when He called us to Nelson, He called us to a very specific place again. And that's what God does. God is very specific. Ask him. Ask him, what is he, where does he want you to be? And believe me, if God has placed you in Nelspruit, even if it is just for six months or a year, there is a purpose with it. Let your roots go down. Plant yourself. When Jesus needs to move you, he will replant you. But don't be a wanderer. Don't be like, oh, I don't know if I'm going to be in Elspeth long term. I might only be here a year, so I don't make connections. I don't let my roots go down. I don't serve. I don't get plugged in. Commit yourself 100% wherever you are. Because Jesus is specific about the place where you are. One of the greatest things for me was, why Mary? Have you ever wondered why Mary? I wonder, I hope that one day I'll have a clearer idea of why out of everyone God could have chosen, he chose Mary. But um, one of our theologians in every nation used such incredible words and he said, Mary was receptive to God's grace. 
She was open to it. She was receptive to it. If we understand the scriptures, we know that Jesus died for everyone. I'm not going to go into a whole discussion of predestination, but we know that there are churches that believe that you are either chosen to be saved or not. So no matter what you do, you're either going to be saved or not. And we don't believe that. Jesus died for everyone. But why do only some people get saved? And I believe these words are the key. They are receptive to God's words. If we are open to receive God's gift, He will give it to us. So it's got to do with our heart's attitude. And this morning, as we sit here, are we receptive to what God wants to tell us? Are we open to Jesus to reveal Himself to us? Because we need to receive it. It's easy to say, Yes, give. We're going to take it. If I throw it at you, you're still going to catch it. Okay, so there's still a response. Are we receptive? Are we taking that gift? Jesus wants to reveal himself to each one of us. Isn't it incredible as we journey through this awesome God series and we learn more about the character of God? This God wants us to know him intimately. He knows us. He knows every hair on our body. He knows every thought. But He wants us to know Him intimately. He wants a relationship with us. None of this is about religion. None of this is about acts of service and acts of obedience out of fear. It's about acts of faith in relationship. When we understand our relationship, and the reason why God gave us Jesus, we will respond with hearts of thankfulness. We will respond with hearts that are receptive to what He wants to tell us. Jesus, our Savior, Yeshua, He came to save us. Do we believe we need Savior? Do you believe we need Savior? When I was 15 years old, I had lived a relatively good life. I mean, how much can you do wrong before the age of 15? Yet I knew I needed Jesus. I knew that there was something missing in my life. As I went to um, a friend of mine invited me to youth group, I used to go Friday evenings. And for about six months, I just went to youth group on Friday evenings. Um, And this was just after my dad had passed away. And I needed something. And I didn't know what, what I was, but I was grieving, I was hurting, I was a teenager. Life was not easy in that sense. And his friends said, come along. Every Friday night, my mom dropped me off. We used to play games, worship, get a bit of word in. And I started to learn about this God that I had not known. I grew up very nominally Roman Catholic, very nominally. Um, I literally went to church for baptisms, funerals, and weddings. And the six times I had to go to church in order to receive my Holy Communion. My parents would, at the age of 10, drop me off at church, and I'd go into 10 church, and they'd come and preach me again. Okay, so you had to be there six times in a row. 
in order to get your Holy Communion. You had to go to confession. And I can remember sitting in front of the priest and I would lie to him about the stuff I did wrong because I couldn't think of anything to confess. So I'd make up stuff. And then he would send me out and I'd have to go and do the penance. You know, you've got your little rosary and I had to say, say 60 Hail Marys and 10 Our Fathers. And then I decided, okay, because I lied about half the stuff I did, I only had to do half the penance. Okay? So, I mean, I really had no idea who this God was or who Jesus was or... But I had an encounter with him. As a 15-year-old, we went to Cape Town on a camp and a church there did a, a play. And as they were doing the play, something moved in my heart. And when the guy did the altar call and he said, Are there people here today who haven't received Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior? Please come to the front. I honestly cannot remember making the decision to get up. I just found myself running down those stairs to the front. And knowing, and at that moment, I suddenly had a father again. God, my father. And he, he could never replace the physical father. But there was a connection between me and God the Father. Because he had an encounter with me. And that's the incredible thing about God. He knows exactly what each one of us need when we have an encounter with him. He knew there was a 15-year-old. So I don't know why I'm so emotional this morning. It's sweet, life's emotions are contagious. He's the crier, not me. But um, he knew this 15-year-old is going to need a father. And he became my father. And I had come to with him. I remained quite a rebellious, naughty-ish teenager. Kind of did my own thing. I took the easy salvation part. But I didn't understand which until I was about 21, and I had another incredible encounter with God. He knocked me off my feet in a church service and showed me a vision and called me afresh. And since that day, there hasn't been a moment where I have turned from him. But God knows each one of us and he knows what encounter we need. So this morning I really feel that there's, there's probably three groups of people here. Three groups of people, let's say, across South Africa. Those who have never had an encounter with Jesus. They've never said, Jesus, you are my Lord and Savior. They don't know him as Yeshua, my salvation. And if you are here this morning and you haven't said, Lord, be my Lord and Savior, please come and speak to us. I'm not going to make it easy for you this morning. You can just put up your hand and say a little prayer and walk away. I want to make sure you understand what it is you're saying this to. And then there's another group of people who you've accepted and you've received the salvation. You've received him as your Savior. But you haven't bowed the knee and said, Here I am, your servant. Be it unto me according to your will. 
What do you want to do with my life, Jesus? How do you want to use me? How can I be effective for you? When we surrender every part of our lives to you. And then thirdly, I believe that there's a group of people here who have done both those things. Jesus is your Lord and He is your Savior. And this morning we're going to share communion as a celebration of that. Where we say thank you God for sending us to Jesus. For revealing to us what you mean by Yeshua, our Savior. For having encounters with mere humans. Folks, do we understand how small and insignificant we really are? That this almighty God wants to have an encounter with you this morning. That this almighty God has a word for you this morning. That he has a message for you this morning. Something to encourage you, something to build you up, something to call you higher. Have you been mediocre and God is saying, like Gideon, come, get out of that hole where you're in. Mighty man of valor, mighty woman of God, come, let me show you what you need to do. Have you been a scoundrel like Jacob who needs a new name? Do you need to go, God, next time? Give me a new name. Speak hope into my life again. We all need a fresh touch from the Lord. And that is why we chose that song this morning. We all need something new from the Lord. A new encounter. Another encounter. Jesus, speak to us this morning. I'm going to close for us in prayer. Those three groups I mentioned, you've never given your heart to the Lord. If you don't know with a hundred percent surety that if you died right now, you'll be seeing Jesus. Please come and speak to me, speak to anyone, Neil, Danal, Joanne, Vicky, you can speak to any of the three group leaders on their own our church. Speak to them. If you've received just salvation and you kind of put worship to one side, let us pray for you. You can come forward this morning and we'll pray for you. And for the rest of us, let's just say, Lord, here I am. What do you want to say to me this morning? What are your words to my heart this morning? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you. God, we thank you that you brought Jesus into this world to die for us. Yeshua. Jesus, what a privilege for us to be able to be in a relationship with you. That this morning we can have an encounter with you. You can speak to our hearts this morning. Jesus, we want to say, have your way with us. Be our Lord and our Savior.